Hello and welcome to this episode of the Education Insider. I'm Jacob Hansen, CEO of PRP Group and one of your hosts. And I'm Chris Peeler, Editorial Director and your other host. In our work, everything starts with knowing your audience. Who are they? What's going on in their world? And how can your products make their lives easier? In each episode of the Education Insider, we speak directly to the administrators, educators, ed tech journalists, and other leaders in the education market to help you better understand and serve your audience. Welcome to the episode. We're glad to have you. Hi, this is Chris Peeler from PRP, and I am here with Dr. Paula Love, the funding doctor. Thank you so much for joining me, Paula. It's a pleasure to be here today and a pleasure to talk about funding. Awesome. Well, let's jump right in. Let's kind of talk about the current funding landscape, which features, as probably a lot of people have seen, this looming cliff. You know, is that something that you see coming? Is that something that you see educators needing to worry about? Or what's your vision of the current funding landscape? Well, you know, Chris, it was very interesting. As I was thinking about the word landscape, as you were just talking and everything, and I, and thinking back to the stimulus funds and things in that regard back in 2008, when I think of the word landscape and the connotation, we often think as solution providers and your audience today as different companies that may be on here as kind of being at that mountaintop and thinking about that cliff and falling off. But but we could easily think of it too as a landscape for being in the coastal rocky areas too and kind of looking down and peering down and all of that. And truly, everybody, including state education agencies and local education agencies, as we come on to what we appear as the funding cliff for the approximately $263 billion in the education stabilization funds, which we often refer to as those recovery funds. As we think about those, we think about that cliff. But I challenge people today, as we're talking, to think a little bit differently. I like to think of those as the sunset. Because if we think about a sunset, we also think about a sunrise. And I think sometimes we get caught up in thinking about that cliff and not thinking about the sunset of those dollars. And when we use it in that way, I want to remind people to think about landscaping in the process. So when you landscape something, and you have to really prepare the soil, you have to think about fertilizing that ground, you have to plant those seeds, and you have to sprinkle the water, and then you need the energy, the energy that comes around that the sunlight in order to be able to really, really think about how we're going to use those funds and how we're going to create that kind of plant in the future. So in the spirit of that, let me begin by talking about that $263 billion that's out there, but also remind everybody beyond that, currently, right now, there are some other important funds that are out there as well. So let me just briefly describe those. And this is where we are right now. So be fantastic. That is where we are. So we have those recovery funds. We know that they're out there. 
I've heard it's $263 billion. Yes, $263 billion that is out there right now. But in addition to that, we have historical investments in Title I dollars, which are those low socioeconomic funds that are out there for students as well. We also have seen unprecedented amounts in health and mental wellness funding as well. That sometimes we think only around those recovery funds, but those are in addition to all of those recovery funds. And we've also seen a huge increase with students with disabilities. Now, there was a separate piece of money under the recovery for students with disabilities, but we also saw it under IDEA, Individuals with Disability Education Act, where there was increases right now in those fundings. The other area is the rise of community funding. So some of your listeners may be aware of full community schools money that has been out there where they're integration, a lot of, or integrating, excuse me, a lot of different services into those community schools. And finally, the whole area of the support for multilingual English language learners that we have out there as well. Now, that's in addition to those recovery funds, but there's one more other area that sometimes we don't think about. I feel like this is an infomercial. You're like, but wait, there's more. (laughs) It is. It's like, uh, it's so exciting to me because I love all of this, all of the information, or at least to share all of the good news around the funding. Um, So we have that Bipartisan Safer Communities Act that some of your listeners may be aware of. That's in addition to all those other funds that I just told you. And that law actually looked at that mental health and all those supportive services to schools. And that included school-based mental health grants, mental health grants for professionals. It included Title IV Part A, which most people would know as student support and academic enrichment grants. There was an additional piece of money brought down at the end of September called Stronger Connections Grant. And if your listeners are well aware right now, what we're starting to see is local school districts um, being able to apply for those funds through their state departments. And each individual state is putting those funds out right now. Then there's also technology funding that we got increases in under that Bipartisan Safety Act. We also had increases in after-school programs, which we refer to as the 21st Century Community Learning Centers. And we finally, and right now, they're out there now, is the Stop School Violence Grants that are available to folks as well. So those are all things currently that we have on our plate. So it sounds like it's more like a funding universe than a funding landscape. It is, and navigating all of that and helping our clients, helping them understand. But can I give you the future too? I mean, we've talked about, here's where we currently are, yep. but let's, let's examine what might be coming down in the future right now. So for the 2024 budget, and this is where we get into sunrise instead of just sunset for all of those dollars, we have over $90 billion that's being proposed for the just the Department of Education alone that's being proposed for 2024. 
And in this, what we're seeing, just like we've seen in years past, are huge increases for Title I and special needs students through IDEA, which are our two largest buckets anyway, but we're seeing increases in those. In addition, we're seeing improved academic success. Some, and one of the areas that everybody is on everybody's mind right now is the teacher shortage so that we're going to see additional monies in that career readiness. You know, if, if any of your viewers are familiar with Perkins, we're going to see more workforce development, those opportunities around, as well as global engagement. So the bottom line is, as we look at all of this money that's out there, it's not just a funding cliff. If we can think differently, if we can plant those seeds, begin planning with our clients now, think about where they are and sprinkle all of that water on them as well as giving them energy for sunshine, then we can really see the sunset instead of the sunrise of those dollars. Well, thank you for that very complete picture of the, the funding universe that's out there. And I, my next question really is, okay, so there, there's a lot that you just said in a lot of different areas. So if the people who are listening to this, who are mostly people who work at education companies, how can they help their clients who are the schools and the districts connect to the right funding in a timely fashion, you know, in a way that they create that pathway that makes it just easy to buy their products and to use them in schools? You know, Chris, a while back, I put on our website in a funding flash blog about funding, and I called it something that funding is no laughable matter. Because often when I begin working with companies in that regard, what I often see is people saying, well, this funding information isn't for me, or my customers should already know this. I shouldn't have to be concerned around this funding. I'm telling you for now, 50 years of work, five decades of work specifically in funding that we need as education solution providers, as companies, to make that connection with our clients around the funding. And one of the best, most proven practices that we can do is what we refer to as a funding alignment. Now, many people will say, well, I've already aligned my funds on my website, or I know the biggest funds and things in that regard. But a real good, strong funding alignment takes into consideration the allowable uses of those funds, researched well with the products and services that a company has. And it is an example of how that would work for a, for a theoretical company that we can imagine right here, right now. Okay, let's say we have a an ESSER grant right now, which is a which has twenty allowable uses of funds, and let's say we're a career technical education provider. We're doing something in CTE. So, in those twenty funds, I need to really clearly decide: Am I delivering professional development in CTE? Am I doing, in, do I have products, maybe courses that I have in CTE? 
And out of those 20 allowable uses, how do I align to those? So one of the allowable uses in ESSER dollars that folks don't often think about, they go right to those ones that are really around the recovery issues that we've been dealing with during the pandemic. Instead of dealing with that, we need to be mindful of all of them. So like the first one says, if there's a, if I use my funds for Title I or Perkins, which is a career technical education grant, then it's allowable use for ESSER. And I need to make that clear connection so that my schools or school districts understand that and know from the law, from the legislation, that that is an allowable use of those funds. Did that help a little bit clear with the part, everything? Yeah, it did. And I'm especially interested when you're talking about the ESSER funding, because I feel like I see a lot of coverage of there is X amount of billions of unspent dollars out there. And I, my first question for you is, how come, from your perspective, those aren't spent? And the second question is, what are guidelines that companies need to know about accessing and spending that money? Okay. And that, those are all really critical when you're thinking about what's happening right now with those ESSER dollars. So let's talk about why we think some of those funds might not be spent at this point. First of all, as we mentioned, ESSER funds, which it, and just so that we're all on the same page, it stands for the Elementary Secondary School Emergency Relief Funds. There's a an end an abrupt end that may come to those funds on September 30th, 2024. So as we're seeing that end in sight, kind of what we said at the beginning where that funding cliff may happen, we're seeing either people spending quickly right now or people pulling back. And why they might be pulling back is there's another piece to this that's going on right now with those ESSER funds, and that is extensions to that deadline. In 2022, we saw about you know, 700 superintendents through the through AASA, the School Superintendents Association, really go in and ask for extensions for those dollars and and allowing an extension of those dollars. And just on March 23rd? It was there, recently. Yeah, I remember saying yes, that. Yeah, a number of states right now that have received extensions, not on the American Rescue Plan funding, but going all the way back to ESSER 1 in those CARES dollars. So we're watching very carefully as these states are putting in, and states need to ask for the extension, not local school districts. States need to request that extension, and we're watching very carefully. That can be a reason right now why states may be holding back on some of their funding, but there's some other reasons as well. So if you think about it, What's happening in our schools throughout our nation is a lot of our enrollments are declining. 
And during this decline of enrollments, that's going to impact federal budgets, their budgets at their state, and therefore they may be holding back knowing that they may be able to get an extension through spending some of the dollars. Now, while all of that is happening, we have you know inflation going on and state budgets being pulled back. And we have the whole area that I mentioned before of teacher shortages. So a lot of states find that they may be trying to fill budget deficiencies right now and not thinking about those good reasons for what we need to do for funding. So I want your listeners just to think about right now, what would success look like for a school district who's got these funds? And what would that success look like? So they may be thinking right now that school districts, not companies, and but companies need to know this too, are those investments backed by research? So do I have wrong research in my products and services? Well, and I just did a podcast episode about that very topic with Jason Dennis from Kinderlab, which is very interesting if people want to click on the link and visit that episode as well. Perfect. Because that is so important right now in our funding, which is one of the guidelines that districts use for not only spending the recovery dollars, but all of their dollars. Are, are they backed by, you know, solid research? And evidence of effectiveness, and there's a difference between research and evidence of effectiveness. What so is we, the difference? Research is something where we have scientific, where we might have scientific backing, or research for why our product has been developed. Evidence of effectiveness means that we have been implementing the product or services, and we have evidence that it, it creates the results that we want to. And it's important to distinguish between the two when, when school districts are thinking about making investments in products and services. The other area that districts may be considering right now are they're looking at critical needs for their students. So they're looking at those critical needs, but they also need to think about the foundation that they're laying so they can sustain whatever products and services they bring in and sustain it for the future. The other area that many school districts are also thinking about are thinking about my facilities or my conditions for learning mm -hmm. around school safety, around mental health, and those things that we've already covered when, when we've been talking. Presently, school districts are in the mode of writing their plans for the 2024 budget. So okay. think about those things as school districts, as you're engaging from a company perspective, as you're engaging with the decision makers and people in those school districts, how you are going to be very an important part of that discussion during this planning time. Remember we talked about planting those seeds at the beginning? This is a time that you begin to plant those seeds so that you can harvest the plants later on in terms of the funding. The other thing that's happening in addition to school districts planning, 
governors are planning as well. And one of the areas that I often tell folks in funding that we need to be very mindful of, and we saw this at ESSA, Every Student Succeeds Act, not ESSER, not the funding category, for ESSA. There'll be, there'll be a long list of acronyms with I the know. episode to help people yeah. guide their way through this. <laughs> but yes. But we saw that at ESSA where school districts now and state departments have more decision-making power over those funds. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing that could be clearer right now than what I'm seeing coming out from that Stronger Connections grant that I just mentioned. So that brings me to another thing I wanted to ask you about is the companies that work in education are working with a number of different decision makers at a number of different levels. You have at a school, you might have a, a CTO or a different tech leader. You might have a curriculum leader. You just mentioned state leaders, you know, city leaders. So what do you, how do you help companies navigate all of those different decision makers and all of their different agendas? It is very, you know, we all work kind of in silos in education. And I'll go back to my my years because I've had years not only working with companies, but years working in different levels of education, both at the local school district level, the state level, and working at the federal offices. But one of the things we often forget is that just like sometimes we do in our jobs, in our positions, people work in silos. And when we're talking about funding, an important part of funding is being able to navigate and braid those. So we have some initial decision makers, depending on the fund. So it's very important to decide or, or figure out who is the decision maker that might own that fund on your funding alignment. So for instance, if it's IDEA, that's special education, it might be the special education director. If it's ESSER, we've seen a lot of ESSER coordinators and things like that. So, so there's a dedicated person at the district. At the district level to be able to talk. And if it's a smaller district, it might just be a, a federal programs officer. And if it's a real tiny district, it might just even be the principal that wears multiple hats within right. that particular area. But we begin with that decision maker. One of the other things that we often, as education solution providers, and I put myself in that category too, forget about is connecting with the school business officer or the fiscal officer who may have more... Is that their actual title or fiscal officer? Right. Sometimes they're called the fiscal officer. Sometimes okay. they're called... There's a, a national group called ASBO, the Association for School Business Officials, and then each each state usually has another acronym around that. Got but then the welcome to the acronym show, everybody. I know. Through all of them, <laughs> I love funding because we can we do these little things of checking off all the boxes with all of these acronyms. But we often forget about those school business officials leveraging those folks get thinking about the silo kind of concept. So we're talking, let's say to, let's go back to our example in um, the ESSER funds and let's go back to CTE. And we might be talking about this to the CTE director, mm -hmm. but we 
that CTE director may not be in communication with the Title I director or the special needs director. And in order to be able to leverage funds, we have to start leveraging different decision makers. And leveraging funds, kind of braiding them together, is a very important concept, especially when you're trying to get into the market or trying to affect different populations, student populations within there. So I strongly encourage, think broadly, start pulling in. Now, one of the things I often caution companies is you have to build those relationships. So you don't want to start jumping over top of somebody that you have a relationship and go right to the top. But you have to use your skills in navigating that. But it's very important to bring those other decision makers to the table who might own those funds and can really help you around those. The other thing is, once you get them there, what are you going to say? You've got to think about how you're changing your conversation, not just, oh, I saw you had X amount of dollars in special air, special needs, or I saw you had X amount of dollars. Just in- give it to me. I'll make your life easy. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about, let's go back to that needs that they're filling mm-hmm. out right now in their planning cycle to talk about what their needs are and, and how we might be able to impact those needs. So changing that. And I, I love it because I often say funding is so wonderful because it gives you the opportunity to change your conversation. I'd like to end by asking you, Paula Love, the funding doctor, if you have three pieces of advice for companies who are looking to help their customers or potential customers connect with all of this money that is out there in the funding universe? Let's do it from this aspect, Chris, and our listeners. Let's talk about KSA. K- Another acronym. <laughs> A is know the funding. You know, we talked just a little bit ago about funding alignments, about those allowable uses. You've got to know the funding. The second area is you've got to speak the funding. We talked about that just a little bit ago when we talked about decision makers and changing that uh, that conversation. As solution providers, you can educate the educators by helping them speak and knowing how to leverage those dollars. And finally, that A is how you can apply the funding. What are you going to do with it? I can give you all the knowledge, the background, the current landscape, but if you don't put some action steps around that and apply that knowledge to your marketing and your sales campaigns, it's not going to help you. So know the funding, speak the funding, and apply the funding. And if you do that, I'm going to end it with this. You're not at sunset, you're at sunrise. Paula Love, Funding Doctor, speaking words of wisdom. Thank you so much for joining me. You are welcome. Thank you, and thanks to all your listeners today. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Education Insider. We know that you have a lot of choices of content and appreciate that you spent some time with us. 
please take a few more seconds and share this podcast, share this episode, write us a review, follow us on your favorite podcast platform. It'll help us continue to offer up content and allow more folks to find us. And please do join us next time for more conversation with the people who know education best.